I'm Guy Hutchinson and I'm the host of CFO Insights as well as being a tech CFO myself. I'm the founder of the leading CFO community, Startup CFO. In this episode, we're speaking to Paul LaHare. Paul was the finance director at CityMapper for five years, rolling up his sleeves right at the beginning and building out their finance function and analytics. We learn about Paul's career, taking that business through to global scale and monetization. Paul's most recently spent four years as investment director at the venture firm Albion. In this podcast, he sheds some light on what VCs look for in their portfolio CFOs and reveals some of the less well-known deliverables that venture investors value from their finance lead. Paul, welcome onto the podcast. Thanks, Guy, for having me. It's a pleasure to, to be with you. That's great to have you on, right? You are one of the earliest members of the Startup CFO group. Um, so actually, I'm not sure if you recall, uh, you were member number 21, and we're now over a 1,000 people. So you really were there early on. Well, I'm impressed that you kept track of the number and uh, yeah, feel uh, feel privileged to, to have been one of the early rem- members. I do remember you reaching out in the early days when I joined CityMapper. It was nearly my first or second week. I was quite impressed how quickly you, you found me, but it was great to, to join the community early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were great days. I mean, uh, often I'm explaining uh, what, how we built the group, and it's. Uh, I think the first five years we were basically in the pub, which, when you explain it back now, sounds kind of crazy. But yeah. that's how we formed this amazing network. Exactly. You know, I, re- I remember the first meetup in the pub. I think in Mayfair. It was really a great group of, of people. We went for dinner even afterwards, and there was a nice setting session on the with the guy on, on data science or analytics, which was also quite quite useful. That's right. Yeah, it was Andy Kirk who does um, the visualizing data program. Um, so yeah, it was a great talk. So Paul, look, I mean, like really pleased to have you here. I, 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 you've got such an interesting journey in terms of your career. Uh, I think quite unusual because we haven't had so many members go from being finance director in a startup and having worked in scale-ups to VC world. Uh, so there's there's a lot to cover, and I'm sure we've got lots of members that are really doubling down on their startup or the scale-up, uh, and are thinking that there will be an exit one day, and maybe after that exit, they would like to be a VC. And so there's actually lots to cover, but but we should probably start off with uh, how you how you got into your role at CityMapper, which I think is the best known startup that you were at, um, and how you've really developed your career journey. Yeah, sure. So I guess, yeah, let me just start uh, very quickly from the beginning, but I'm originally French, been living in London for about 15 years, so always worked here. did my last year actually of studying here, and then went into banking, first investment banking, um, doing M&A for big tech corporates, really like the tech sector and the startup scene was emerging. Uh, at the time, did a few years in banking, but then got a bit, uh, I guess, maybe tired of it, although it was a great training and wanted to do something a bit more operational, was looking at uh, roles in startups, also talking to VCs and found the first one to um, actually the website of Index Ventures, uh, which listed um, jobs in, in, in their portfolio, basically, and ended up joining Viagogo which was a portfolio company, a ticket marketplace where people can buy and sell tickets for various types of events. That was already quite a scale up. I was reporting to the CFO. My role was kind of business associate working on business operations, various type of projects, a bit like an internal consultant, but building dashboards for various metrics, optimizing processes, things like this. That was quite fun, was there for a few years, but then really wanted to do something more early stage. So was looking for this type of opportunities. 
um, looking kind of around, but also actually speaking to VCs at the time. And I had spoken to uh, this seed fund called Connect Ventures, great seed fund, had connected with one of the partners there, Pietro Bezza. And uh, he reached out a few months after saying, look, actually we have one of our company right now who, who's looking for one of their kind of first employees, first commercial guys in particular, uh, somebody with a finance background, I think you could be a good fit. And uh, that's how I ended up meeting Asmat, the, the founder and CEO, and really liked, uh, I knew kind of the product also used it and uh, ended up joining. I think I was employed maybe around uh, number five and with the COO, Omid Dashtai, were the first two commercial guys to join. Originally, it was really Asmat, the founder, who has a really a product background and, and a team of developers at the time. Yeah, yes, amazing. And uh, that that piece where you're really early on into a startup and you're finance employee number one, but probably your, your remit is much broader than just finance because you've got analytics and BI and HR and other bits and pieces. We certainly find lots of members of the group find that stage challenging because you have to roll up your sleeves and really engage and do and do everything with your own bare hands i mean how was how was your experience at that stage at city mapper yeah you're, you're totally right i mean it's both challenging and, and fun because you're you're really creating things from from scratch uh, which is also a great opportunity but i was my first time you know doing it i mean at viagogo obviously i joined a bigger structure there was a finance team i was reporting to the cfo it was, uh, you know, very different. Although I was able to leverage, you know, part of my experience and skills from from that. But uh, here, um, yes, you really need to to build things from scratch. Like you said, it's not just finance. I mean, even finance itself, as we know, covers different background. There's the more kind of operational finance. Uh, uh, and and you know accounting reporting things like this and then strategic finance fpna fundraising you know all these aspects are quite different but then also working on the more operations aspect you know hr um even kind of legal aspects uh you know all these things in particular that the, the ceo founder didn't necessarily want to to, to to bother with them so it was kind of my role and and the ceo also to to work on that so as you say you, you cover a broad set of areas and you need to really I guess set up kind of new processes and, and and functions pretty pretty quickly from from scratch. Yeah, yeah, I would I would say that's true, right? That that stage, I'd say as much as anything, it really suits the person that can figure things out and work out what what processes you don't have that the business needs to have, so that as things go through hyper growth, you're not swamped. Exactly, exactly. It's it's kind of as we call it sometimes the, the zero to one nearly type of stage or I mean I didn't join exactly at zero, so it's not completely fair. I joined, you know, kind of seed stage just pre-series A. So you know that there were things already kind of established, but but still it was still kind of very much that stage where you're setting up the, the, the function and, and the things from scratch. And and the people that you know can do that are not necessarily always the same that can do, you know, one, two, then five, or one to ten, or especially ten to you know. 50 or 100 some people you know manage to to, to stay and at, at all stages but it does require maybe sometimes different types of uh, profiles or, or skills yeah 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 and, and and actually the thing that was notable about city mapper at that time was that it became a really well-known app certainly in london where i was very very quickly and it was free it was a freemium model and a, a lot of people used it and it obviously had an amazing user experience it was really offering something in terms of sort of travel and navigation that, that that people hadn't seen before but then i guess on the inside to be without revenues for i'm guessing a number of years must have been fairly challenging 
Yeah, for sure. It was uh, it was a challenge and, and quite a bet, um, a bet that uh, maybe you don't see uh, historically many companies in Europe do, especially on, on the consumer side. I think it's more common in the US uh, where you've had, you know, apps like social networks or, you know, Google historically, Facebook, of course, are, are you know, the, the best examples of that, that uh, delayed uh, monetization to build a big user base um, first. So we were going more for, for that, which is, you know, more risky, uh, of course, has its, you know, pros and, and, and cons, but it did allow us being very product focused and through virality and word of mouth to build a very engaged um, user base and uh, a very kind of big kind of, uh, I guess, net network and, and user base using the app also on a daily basis because transport is obviously key to our, our daily lives moving around. Uh, so so that was something that people were really checking and, and, and using, uh, using a lot. Uh, but you're right that, you know, especially as a finance guy, not having much, you know, revenue coming in for, for some time can be a little bit uh, challenging or, or sometimes even, you know, potentially concerning. But at the same time, we were very lean for, for, for a long time. We had, you know, little costs, a small team, and it was basically just the staff costs and, and, and servers. We weren't spending a dollar on marketing or advertising. So everything was, you know, again, growing organically and through word of mouth. Uh, it's true that we did delay again, monetization for, for quite some time, maybe in retrospect for a bit too long if I had to, to do it differently. But it was, you know, kind of the, the, the bet that was done at, at the time. And then we did launch various kind of uh, various streams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and playing that back, how, how would you say for other FDs and CFOs who are thinking about going through the same thing, uh, how, how do you manage upwards with your your board and your shareholders where you perhaps want to focus them on certain metrics that indicate that this is a business that will be successful and there will be revenue in the end um how did you sort of focus on those metrics and really amplify the power of of what you were seeing there yeah i think um CDMAP's, you know, position was a bit unique. I think it's fairly rare to have a B2C company like this, you know, pre-revenue, but at the same time with a very high user base and, you know, growing very strongly. So, you know, most people will probably uh, have, you know, even on the consumer side, you know, so, so some revenue and uh, revenue will be still kind of the, the, the key metric. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about, I guess, um, your, your key kind of uh, metrics and, and financials, where they are and where, where you want to take them and, and your plan and, and, and your vision just also overall and making sure you can get investors that um, that agree and, and buy into in, into this vision and, and, and this plan. And, you know, whether that's delaying monetization for uh, growing maybe other things first, the product or the network or, or whatever it is, or, you know, Doubling down on on, on 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 revenue growth. I mean, most most VCs are still very much focused on on, on that. So that will be uh, definitely a key a key metric overall your top line growth. Um, and it's it's just I guess um, again kind of agreeing with the with your VCs or making sure they buy into your your business plan and and see that you have this ambition also of growing quite quite quickly and and. Um, fairly aggressively, although now, you know, the paradigm has, has shifted. Uh, of course, it's not just growth at all costs, but still VCs are into the business of, of investing in outliers. So they want to see really strong momentum and, and traction, which you need to show in, in some way, you know, whether that's revenue growth or some other metrics that 
you really need to be able to, to show that. I mean, it depends at which stage, but at, at least at Series A stage, which is the stage where we invest. Earlier on, of course, if it's preceded, it's a bit different, but, but you need to show some momentum uh, in, in some way. Yeah, yeah. And that sounds like it's more that as long as you can indicate that, that there's there's lots of underlying growth, even in the, the stage where it's pre-revenue, like showing that that when when the revenue does come, it's going to come very steeply and there, there, there will be significant revenues in the end. It sounds like that that's the type of thing that tends to reassure. And of course, you know, CityMapper, I think, when we spoke last time you were telling me that the growth from four cities to 40 cities it was not not over that many years and so the kind of underlying metrics must have been really strong yeah exactly it's um although maybe you're you're delaying revenue in, in that case although you know we did start at, at some point also generating some revenue and then fairly you know good amount first through affiliate kind of deals which we did with with cab apps um at, at the time and then all the streams but uh, but yes it's showing and there's various kind of benchmarking you can use but uh if you use kind of you know other kind of mobile apps or social networks like uh showing kind of the the, the value maybe of a of a dau of a daily active user or a weekly active user and what is a typical kind of ARPU average revenue per user? Uh, you can, you know, estimate uh, where you can be on, on on revenue based on, you know, expected kind of conversion rate and and the size of your network and and, and user base and and showing otherwise your ability, like you said, to execute, to expand to other cities internationally, to keep on, you know, improving the product. That's what people will be will be after. Yeah, 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 and 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 when. When the dialogue did emerge that you were clearly going to start to break into revenue generation, <clears throat> it sounds like there was a bit of a dichotomy between is it about us retailing and having these consumer revenues or do we do we monetize the base of active users through these B2B relationships? Uh, I'm sure there's lots of founding teams out there that have had that type of dichotomy where they, they weren't really sure where the revenue was going to come from in the end. How did that type of conversation pan out at CityMapper? Yes, it's it's hard. It's it's hard. You're, you're right. There were various things to explore potentially, and as, as a startup, of course, uh, and you know any company generally, but especially as, as a startup, uh, you have you know very high scarcity of, of resources. So a really key thing is is to focus. So you have to make sometimes some key decisions and 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 bets, and so it means you can't necessarily do everything. I mean, if you can, you should try to run experiments, and as soon as you see something working better, then really maybe go all in on, on that one or really focus on that. But you can't do too many things in, in parallel because then you risk kind of uh, diverting your attention too much. Um, but uh, but on our end, I think it was trying to first kind of make a case for the opportunity. You know what seemed to be maybe the the biggest opportunity in terms of maybe market size or, or, or potential it's kind of how you assess it, assess it first at, at the strategic kind of planning uh, stage um, and and then also what you want to, what type of company you want to be or what what is your dna i mean for us we're still mainly kind of a b2c company so we did explore um monetizing via b2b kind of first like maybe the tools that we had built internally kind of selling them we could see there could be a, a market for that but uh, because of the dna was much more consumer we decided to focus more on other kind of streams first like launching actually our own transport services and then monetizing their uh, payments um, but in the end they also kind of uh, ended up going back to, to to kind of b2b kind of a uh, streams which they're also kind of uh, doing now so 
I'd say, you know, f focus on, on, on one thing at, at first, and then you can launch kind of uh, all the streams all, all, all the times once you've found, you know, kind of the, the product market fit on, on, on one. And I think in particular one uh, at the moment, it's, it's interesting to see that um, we see companies uh, doing, you know, various kind of uh, over time hybrid hybrid ways to, to monetize you know it's not just necessarily purely b2b or purely b2c sometimes it's a combination of both or sometimes b2b2c uh so so yeah the, the, there's not just one way but at the beginning focus is important for sure yeah yeah because because we see that theme elsewhere as well don't we that that that, that theme where focusing on kind of one thing at a time tends to lead to much better outcomes i mean if i think of another business in the transport space uber i mean when when Uber emerged, I think the people mm. that people talked about its amazing user experience and the fact that the pricing was 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 really low, uh, mm. and yet now people talk about actually issues with the Uber mm. user experience and the likelihood that you don't end up getting your driver, uh, and it's remarkable how maybe they've they've had a lack of focus in recent years. Yeah, I guess I guess you could say you could say that. Um, Center. I guess the the, um, the food delivery business has been fairly fairly good good for them, but you don't want to do necessarily too many things at the same time. And and the issue also they have is that at the end of the day they face quite a lot of competition. The unit economics also were, were always a bit challenging and still are at the moment. It's still a bit question uh, mark whether you know it can become over time kind of profitable. The unit economics are, are not you know super strong compared to other types of, of businesses so i think that's uh, the other issue that they face also with nearly commoditization with with competition from from other players also kind of entering the the, the market but um but you're right i think at some point they try to do too many things they try to launch also other um transport type of services they even wanted to to kind of aggregate uh public transport and and, and other things so maybe they they, they got um yeah they, they, they got their, their attention diverted a bit too much yeah, 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 indeed. That's no, it's easily done. Easily done. Actually, um, the point you raised there, Paul, about Unit X, um, that that should be that should be a podcast we do in the next you know, few yeah. months because actually, um, I'm sure you're seeing it as a VC, but all of our members are seeing it now that the fundraising climate is not at all what it was 18 months ago. Uh, you know, if your unit economics are not developing well, um, everything gets pretty challenging, and and it's surprising. That some of the businesses that have issues with the unit x they're not three or four years old they're six seven eight years old no you're you're right i think uh i mean we, we've gone through uh a bit of a crazy cycle uh but the, the years you know 20 and, and 21 were really the, the peak of the cycle and it was really growth at all costs and we saw uh some companies you know tackling kind of big markets like uh uh online uh, grocery you know de delivery and, and fast uh delivery in particular which you know is um is a big market and, and you could understand how potentially it, it, it's attractive but it's it's hard also to to do this model um with with healthy unit economics and when you're uh, negative on a gross profit margin for, from the start yes you could make the case that uh, it will get better with scale like you know it has for others like delivery but it's um it's still, you know, a hard kind of business model, and and uh, it requires a lot of capital. So it's definitely, you know, not capital so efficient to, to get there. So, I think this in the current climate, which is much more focused on capital efficiency, 
um, and and you know very healthy, strong unit economics from the start. I don't think you can make the, the case that you know with negative unit economics that will get better over time. Uh, you can raise even if it's a large market and opportunity right now investors don't want to, to, to invest in, in that anymore so so you still you know need to show strong growth um, because again back to the momentum point that that's what this this is investing but which definitely healthy unit economics and, and 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 good good efficiency capital efficiency yeah 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 and, and and actually that 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 topic's a really neat segue into into your world as a vc now so you've been investment director at albion for quite a few years now after i think four or five years of city mapper in the finance director seat uh i think a lot of people will be interested about the decisions there about sort of stepping away from being a sort of operator in what is probably a scale up at that time into vc world yeah sure um no, you're right. It wasn't, you know, an easy decision after nearly eight years on the startup side and over five years at, at City Mapper. Uh, you know, I, I was a bit facing the decision: do I continue into the as an operator into the CFO path, or or maybe move on to, to do something else? And since I guess I had started my career in, in finance, and like uh, a bit the, the more kind of what what I call maybe having a more macro view uh, com compared to to being at a startup which is you know very very operational and a bit more micro which is you know really interesting and fascinating gives you a lot of purpose you're building you know on a daily weekly basis that that's really motivating and stimulating so i guess I'm, i missed a little bit having this more kind of macro view and working more on a portfolio of, of different companies and 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 different trends and, and sectors and uh, i thought that would be a great time to to move to vc to to invest uh, in european tech which which is you know has been really booming in the, in the past past years so so that was kind of the the decision basically um i took to, to move to vc at, at the time a bit more than three years now ago yeah 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 fantastic and, and, and i think a lot of people will be interested to explore like like how how does the skill set of the finance director in a startup company how does that then translate into things that you are doing when you're looking at um, opportunities that Albion might invest in or attending the board meetings for existing portfolio companies how do you feel that you kind of bring you bring some of those things with you yeah it's interesting uh, I mean at, at the end of the day uh, I, I guess to, to, to various various ways, but uh, at the end of the day, you're you're evaluating, you know, lots of lots of opportunities, lots of, of companies. Uh, when when you join, you know, a company as a as a CF as a CFO, you know, any kind of operator role, you're a bit doing the same, but you're putting, you know, all your eggs in in one basket. So in a way, you need even more conviction and uh, you need to really truly believe in in the founder, especially if you're joining, you know, very very early on uh here um i guess it's uh having worked on the other side gives you some insight into a bit kind of maybe how to assess you know founders and and teams you know how to especially when you're reviewing also um business plans you know having prepared th those business plans on on the on, on the other end i think helps you um uh, review those maybe with a more kind of a kind of uh critical eye or, or judgment when, when needed and then being able to, to question, I think, those things uh, a bit more. And just, I think, generally also the, the operational experience is up, up on the VC side is still quite rare. I think about we have 
something like 15% of VCs that are ex-operators um, in Europe compared to 50% in, in the US. Um, so I, I think also uh, startup teams and, and founders, you know, like hopefully seeing uh, VCs that, that, that are ex-operators can, you know, help you connect maybe with the team kind of uh, better in what is a very also competitive uh, competitive market um, at, at the end of the day but uh, and then the last thing also maybe I would say is when when you've uh, worked as a CFO obviously you've done uh, you know likely uh, fundraising on, on the other side uh, you've, you've gone through this process so even kind of the the operational aspect of you know do, doing a DD all of this obviously you've done it on, on the other side but that's helpful uh, you know knowledge to to know how uh, capital you know structure works of course like things like cap table um, the, the investment dog the legal dog the the, the corporate structure uh, all of this you know operational knowledge is also um, I, I think uh, important when when you move over mm, yeah so it's, so I'd say that. Presumably, uh, you were drawn towards Albion because you could see that, that that they would value the operational insight, and you you knew instinctively, having worked with founders, that founders would value working with VCs that have that type of experience. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true, and uh, and I think also that the network, you know, hopefully having worked for seven eight years on the startup side, having you know network also through um the startup cfo networks and 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 community and other ones with lots of startups that helps you you know being quite plugged in into the ecosystem and that's actually probably the most important point because the vc job at the end of the day is uh, is the job of you know finding kind of uh, opportunities and then assessing them and then you know winning them especially when it's competitive and you know for that you need to have an existing kind of a network and ideally maybe one that's a little bit uh, differentiated from from others so maybe having some of these relationships helps you you know get getting some inbound deal flow that others don't have or you know even having maybe sometimes uh um, the help of, of of ex kind of colleagues or or, or peers you know to help you re review or assess you know some opportunities you know all those things are also helpful when you when you work on, on the vc side yeah yeah absolutely and paul um we should we should jump into um some of the insights you've gained actually uh whilst you've been at the vc and how that might reflect on the things that cfos and particularly uh, members of our group think about how to work best with the investors right because as the cfo you're typically in the board meeting uh you'll have quite a bit of engagement maybe between board meetings with investor directors uh, and of course, you're going to be doing funding roadshows maybe every 18 to 24 months, depending on the climate. Uh, so you're really spending a lot of time thinking about what what investors are looking for in the business, but also what investors are looking for in the CFO. And it would be interesting just to sort of hear what, what your thoughts are about that since you've been in VC world a while now and how those things are sometimes <coughs> um, sort of maybe slightly less obvious how maybe there are some things that CFOs might occasionally overlook that investors are typically looking for. Yeah, yeah, no, sure. Um, yeah, let me try to, to think of a few kind of tips or insights there. I guess, you know, one thing, one first thing maybe um, I would say, which, you know, might, might sound quite basic, but uh, be, be, you know, it's always like a bit of a dilemma because at the same time, of course, your investors back you because they want uh, to see, you know, 
great ambition and, and great growth and, and momentum uh and, and you ideally becoming you know an outlier uh, unicorn or even take a con these days or you know whatever it is but um but um so you need you know a plan that shows uh that shows this 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 potential and this type of growth but at the same time you also need to to, to be uh conservative with your with your estimates or in particular your cash estimates and in particular in this current uh, environment so some, sometimes it's a, bit, it's a bit of a tension between building, you know, sh showing some bullishness, but also making sure you have a plan, especially for the next year, that you feel quite confident you're going to to achieve. Um, and and uh, and in particular on the on the on the cash side and runway side, that you're being, you know, fairly, uh, I'd say, yeah, conservative and and reasonable. I mean, there's nothing kind of a uh, worse in on on the VC side when you see that. Um, and you know, of course, the forecasts get get can kind of a uh, never get match. You know, hundred percent it would be you know too ideal. But when you see in more extreme scenarios, maybe runway that we expected of being eighteen months and these uh, twelve months or nine months, uh, uh, because maybe you know some of the forecasts were were, were really unreasonable. So that's that's one of the. Uh, I guess tough, tough uh, situation that that you can face um, sometimes. So as as a CFO, it's it really need to kind of manage this tension, and and it's hard because sometimes on one end you have the the CEO and the founders that are you know typically optimistic and uh, you know want to be bullish and have big plans, and again the, the, the investors typically want to see that. But at the same time, I think at least you know us at Albion, we want to make sure to to, to be fairly. Uh, reasonable on, on on the plan and 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 make sure that you're you're, you're conservative with, with your runway. I would say that's kind of a, a number one. Uh, a number two, I would also a second advice I, I would give that might seem maybe a bit uh, counterintuitive, but uh, you don't necessarily see always teams do, and it's not just for CFOs, but also uh, the rest of the execs and and the CEO. But uh, really. You know when there are issues or, or problems don't you know don't hide them like um, bring them up you know as, as quickly as possible you know of course sometimes you might uh, you might, might want to kind of think about them a bit more deeply kind of um, first before bringing them up with, with the board but you know as the board you, you you know, of course, you're happy. There's lots of good news and, and positive developments, but you also want to hear about the issues, the challenges, uh, quite quickly when, when they come up. You know, at the end of the day, you know, hopefully, especially if you have a you know good team of investors on on, on your board, down on your side, uh, you know, we're all in the same team and uh, we're there to help. And so, if there are you know big issues or, or things that that you're struggling with, just don't wait to to bring them up. Uh, bring them up, you know, as as early as possible. Not just at the board meeting, like ideally, there shouldn't be like big su surprises coming up. You know, suddenly at the board meeting, you should you know regularly catch up um, if needed. You know, with the, with the with the board or, or or your investors. I think that's uh, that's an important point, especially if again things get off course. Better to give like an early heads, heads up is another another point uh, I would say. So really be as as transparent and and in communication. You know, as a as as frequent as, as as you can to develop also a good relationship with with your VCs is, is important. Um, mm. Yes, really interesting. So that dichotomy where you've got a CFO, the CFO is building a financial plan, probably like a three to five year plan typically, and there should be a lot of ambition in in that to validate that the investors have 
place to bet on the right horse because obviously there's some risk in these things yeah. uh, and, and the 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 other side of the coin is that that optimism on the revenue side shouldn't be such that you could be significantly out on your cash runway because that's the kind of thing that really spooks investors where you say hey look you know don't 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 turn up at the board meeting and tell me it's 18 months if it's really going to be nine that's not helping me to validate that we've got the right cfo yeah yeah exactly um exactly we'll so just you know on a another end i mean especially right now so when the, the environment is getting you know harder sales cycles are getting longer you know budget uh, tighter it's you know this year is going to be hard overall for, for sure so you need to take that into consideration have you know reasonable kind of assumptions uh just generally so just you know taking a concrete example we had like uh, obviously we just went through budget kind of cycles with lots of companies and we just had uh, one which had you know a good plan for for next year but we nearly thought which you know might seem a bit counterintuitive but nearly that it was a bit too ag aggressive in terms of of growth like growing kind of at 3x kind of this year which you know if they can achieve of course we'd be more than happy but uh we, we thought just the assumptions w w weren't there to, to kind of afford that so it's better to have like nearly a bit lower growth you still need, need to show growth you know if you're growing at like 20 percent at, at this stage it's, it's, it's not enough for vc of course but like you know 2x to 2.5x in this current environment is still very strong so i didn't necessarily need to show kind of a 3x but um it's better you know to to, to show kind of 2 2.5x and then you know making it rather than showing 3x and then being you know off by by quite a quite a lot if that makes sense yeah yeah there's there, there is something actually in the cfo skill set that's about almost kind of reading the room or having an early warning radar about what the zeitgeist is in the market because you're quite right um if your investor is seeing that economically things are clearly slowing down uh and maybe won't speed up for a year or two now uh the the probably isn't a prize for turning up at your board meeting with a view that you'll expand your revenues 300% year on year. Uh, if that same investor director is going to three, four, five other board meetings and people are coming along and saying, well, it's going to be near 100%, uh, 200% growth, it's it's not going to be threefold. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And, and uh, another kind of a, maybe more kind of a short term one, but um, a practical one, but while you're re raising also, which you know might sound obvious, but sometimes unfortunately you don't see, like make sure you have short-term forecast you know for, for for instance this month you know that basically during your fundraising process forecast that you really feel confident overall you're going to be able to to hit or you know be very close to if you're suddenly off you know 20 30 percent um versus the, the the current kind of uh forecast for this month or, or next month then it, it might kind of uh, really uh destroy your process or, or make the, the investor kind of lose confidence in, in 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 the whole plan so in particular in the short-term forecast you should make sure to, to be to have them you know of course again it needs to show momentum but at the same time to to, to be to feel very comfortable that you'll be able to hit them yeah 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 so it's so those kind of takeaways which are broadly uh whilst you're fundraising or, or, or actually almost in any operating mode uh have have real confidence in your short-term numbers so, so you're not missing your revenue targets as you go through the near-term months deal with that dichotomy between like having conviction in the scale of what you have in the end but without being too far out in terms of your cash runway uh, and then if you do have issues you know accept that all startups have issues and that you know as long as you're building trust in the boardroom that that's the place to take it in the end it sounds sounds like those are the three takeaways that 
you know members of our group would would perhaps take from this yeah exactly and i'll throw in maybe one last one because we've we've talked quite a bit maybe from also the the vc side or, or kind of reporting to vc but you know don't hesitate to have also ask for 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 your vcs at, at the board or you know all the time they again they're, they're here to help you uh, hopefully you know to, to add value besides just you know capital so if uh, they can help you you know with, with hiring or other things if you have you know specific ask on maybe introductions you, you might need or, or other things just just don't hesitate to, um, to to bring them up to to them at the board or again before uh, you, sh you should be you know also feel confident about asking things from your VCs of course yeah yeah that 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 makes sense i mean i think um a lot of us would like to see our our kind of vcs worked worked hard and you know <laughs> delivering a lot for their portfolio companies so that's a message Absolutely. that will easily go home i'm sure paul i'm sure uh paul look it's been really good to have you on the podcast it's been a great pleasure to talk through these things i know you did a great webinar for us i think about two and a half years ago probably early in the pandemic or something and um it's been really fantastic to get to chat again um so thank you very much for joining us on the startup cfo podcast it's my pleasure thanks again for having me it was a great chat and i uh, hope people will enjoy listening to it fantastic thank you paul thanks you are listening to cfo insights brought to you by startup cfo if you're a finance professional working in disruptive tech and seek to join our group, just email us at join at startupcfo.tech. This podcast was a part of our CFO Insights series. We release new episodes every two weeks, so don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.